Welcome back, everybody. It is the end of June, the 28th to be specific, and it is a good month, uh, if you will. So, uh, yeah, end of June, a lot of things going on, not a lot of things going on, and you'll see what I mean here in a second. Actually, kicking things off, this was kind of a big deal that was announced yesterday from the Apple camp. Jonathan Ive, Sir Johnny Ive, is leaving Apple. Now, this is obviously a big deal because he's been their chief designer. He's known for a lot of different industrial design products and projects at the company. And why is my Amazon device activating? Nobody will ever know why. Anyways, so it's a big deal, right? He's leaving the company, but he's not really leaving the company. And so he's forming his own um, design shop, effectively, if you will. And Apple's going to be a customer. But um, the thing that you need to understand about this is, and we've been hearing it for a while, it was coming out of Bloomberg and a lot of other places, that he effectively left, it seemed almost like way back in 2015, um, or at least it's been a couple years. You remember there were rumors for a while that he wanted to leave the company, and then Apple basically probably just gave him a whole bunch more money and said, here, you know, do whatever you want. And the, the reports were saying up until not too long ago that he was only really coming in two days a week. And so all the designs and a lot of that stuff he might sign off on at the end of the day, but it's all done by the people behind the scenes, the people that are remaining at Apple. So it's not like Apple's going to just crumble and fall overnight any in any capacity, not to mention he's just going to be an outside consultant um, charging higher rates for the same stuff he's already doing and pursuing other... Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's just sort of an interesting factoid that he is leaving. Uh, it's just kind of a, an evolution of things that have been evolving. Evolution of things that evolving. Excellent, excellent verbiage by myself. Um, but it's just the, the the evolution of Apple, right? Ever since um, Tim Cook took over, things change, and and people, more people will leave. Phil Schiller will eventually leave. Um, Tim Cook will eventually like it. The companies move on. Like he's not going to stay there forever. So best of luck to him on his endeavors. Uh, on the Microsoft side. 628 on 630 fiscal year 2019 will come to an end for Microsoft. We've talked about this a little bit, but it officially is the last business day is today, which means starting uh, July 1, when Microsoft will be back in the office, if not everybody's not on vacation for the July 4th long week, uh, there'll be a new fiscal year, fiscal year 2020. And if we're going to see any big org changes across the company, we've already seen a little bit of um, attrition in the Mixer group and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's going to start to show up probably next month. I don't, I haven't heard anything explicitly yet about like large scale layoffs at the company, but um, org changes, reorgs and that sort of stuff. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen or go into effect uh, starting early uh, in July. So just keep that in mind. If you see any large changes, that is wise because their fiscal year ends June 30th, which means we should also get a look at their full fiscal year earnings sometime uh, maybe third or fourth week into July into July. Other things that are happening in the Microsoft world, Microsoft Edge will soon let you block trackers, right? If, you know, everybody sees those little stupid pop-up things and we know what they are and, and they track you across the web and pervasive advertising and all that junk. Uh, Edge will soon let you be able to just block that crap. That, that Anybody upset by that? I don't think. Maybe some, maybe Google or Facebook might be upset. Uh, Windows Terminal is going to show up or is showing up in the Microsoft Store. If you've been wanting and wanting to use Terminal, you can go grab that from the store. Other things that are showing up in the store, by the way, are Cortana. Cortana has been, I, I've talked about it for a while and I can't remember when I first said that it was going to start happening, but whatever. Uh, Microsoft has separated Search and Cortana. 
they've separated it, right? And now Cortana is just an app, and that app is now showing up in the Microsoft Store. This has a lot of benefits. The, the primary benefit to this is that Microsoft, much like Edge now, can update it whenever the hell they want. They're not tied to these large OS updates that happen twice a year. This, I don't know why it wasn't like this from the beginning. It should have been, Cortana always should have been an app that was nimble and dynamic and could be updated. And so rather than two updates per year, Microsoft now has the ability to update Cortana whenever they please with the new Store app. So keep that in mind. Hopefully we'll see more improvements on that platform. Uh, all speaking of Edge, by the way, uh, the Edge Dev preview builds. So preview builds previously only Canary builds were available on older versions of Windows. Now you can download the developer preview builds, which should be a little bit more stable than the Canary builds on older versions of Windows like 7 and 8.1. So uh, the other things, I dropped a big scoop this week, earlier uh, Monday, something like that. Microsoft is looking to diversify the chips in its Surface hardware. Uh, I've been hearing about this for a while. This shouldn't come as a major surprise if you've been following the tea leaves. But so if you jump back in the time machine, Microsoft, uh, when they announced original Surface devices, the RT way back in was at 2012. Um, there's a book on it, which I'll link below. Uh, the Surface RT used an ARM-based chip. Microsoft got away from that after that product was a complete flop and has gone solely Intel for the past several years. I believe that might start to change this year. I'm hearing again and again that a there is an AMD version of a Surface laptop at a low, I believe, a lower price point. We'll, we'll see. I'm not quite sure on that, but I what I was explicitly told is that the price to performance ratio was not there for Intel and AMD had a better offering. So uh, keep in mind that we might very, might very much might see an AMD based Surface laptop. There's also a Surface Pro floating around with a Qualcomm chip in it. Now there's a code name called Excalibur and I believe Excalibur is the system on a chip, which is basically as it sounds like a system on a single chip. I believe that is codenamed Excalibur and the chip, the, the actual core processing unit is a Snapdragon, I believe eight CX, I believe is what they're using currently, but Microsoft has worked really, really closely with Qualcomm on this. And this isn't just another shot in the dark at arm. I think this hopefully what being effectively roughly sort of the third try at this type of an environment uh, might actually stick this time because of the performance guarantees that Qualcomm has put up. The bigger thing that I am happier about with all this, if they are using a Qualcomm 8CX chip, which means we should be getting a Qualcomm modem, which means we should be getting a Qualcomm antenna, which means we're not using Intel's 5G or LTE crap. Um, Qualcomm stuff is vastly superior. We know that because soon as uh, the iPhone basically gave up modem chips and Intel just said, all right, we're, we're killing that whole org. Um, so that is actually a big win in itself. And I'm happy about that. I'm hoping that we have a traditional Surface Pro, right? Something. Oh, didn't mean to know those were on there. Uh, much like this, just a Surface Pro with a high-end Intel Core i7. And then somewhere along the skewed diversity, diversified lineup, we have that Qualcomm with LTE. Because I'm still of the opinion that if you need... LTE connectivity in the device, you're buying it for two things. One, can LTE connectivity and hopefully long battery life. I don't think you're buying it because it's the highest performant machine. More than likely, uh, battery life and LTE trump, oh, I shouldn't use that word, uh, are superior than in the hierarchy of needs than raw performance. Like, I don't know if many people who need a core i7 with 16 gigs of RAM and one terabyte of solid state storage and LTE and battery life. Yes, they're out there, but I suspect that Microsoft could come up with a nice price range for an LTE long battery life device and then to complement their Intel lineup. I think that would make a lot of sense and would be pretty easy to justify and to lay out uh, on the Surface website as it being... Um, Good products, good products. So we got a bunch of questions this week. Well, 
so that we're going to dive into here, let's just hit the refresh button here. And you can always find these on threat.com. I do them typically Thursday afternoon. If you're following me on Twitter, I always link to this and say, hey, drop your questions here. And so we shall dive into those. Uh, NGC224 says, will Microsoft throw in the towel when it comes to a detachable Surface Book? Well, I've heard that the Surface Book update isn't all that crazy large. Uh, we will see what happens. What, one thing I have heard is that on the Surface Pro side, there was rumored to be, well, not rumored, there, there's a, I believe it's called Carmel which is a complete redesign or complete an overhaul of the design of the surface pro. I believe that has been punted until next year. And then this year we're just going to see a traditional surface pro, but with USB C in it. So keep that in mind. I believe this is going to be the year of USB C across all the devices. I also think what might make a lot of sense is if Microsoft announces all this stuff, potentially windows light and um, Microsoft teams for life all at an October event. I think that would make for a nice October event. I think I really do. So, and then Silent Hero says, can you shed some light on your article regarding testing various chips for next-gen service? I've read your fantastic book, thank you, and was reminded about the Skylake issues that was dealing with just one chip manufacturer, Intel. I do agree that Microsoft needs to seek alternatives, but wonder if Microsoft truly prepared to deal with multiple chips, which means potentially issues, thus more resources to support a broader variety of service devices. So that is an interesting question because he raises a good point. More chips, more support, more overhead. That is, that is not something typically a company wants to do. But if you think about it, is there too much difference of a chip between, let's say, the different generations or even an i5 and an i7? Those still create their own support characteristic models and device issues. And so I don't think tossing AMD into there is going to dramatically change things. Also, I think AMD is heavily invested in making sure that these products go off well. And a lot of that burden, candidly, falls back onto the chip manufacturer. While, yes, Microsoft works on these chips, um, they also have to work on them for other vendors, right? If another vendor is shipping Windows 10 with an AMD processor, they need Windows 10 and that processor to work. And so if they're doing it in-house, it's already supporting devices that they would have done with for OEMs just now internally. Uh, one other question he asked, he says, Apple announced a while ago the XDR monitor, which costs roughly the same sum of all the organs I can spare at this time, and it doesn't come with a stand. In your book, you stated that Microsoft quoted that the service monitor would cost about 2000 bucks. And honestly, that looks like a bargain compared to what Apple is asking with nearly 5K uh, factory calibrated colors, touchscreen, zero hinge gravity, and wait for it, a stand. Do you think the timing of Apple's entry and market opportunity for Microsoft to manufacture these that would fit with the surface philosophy of a niche, niche device at a premium price tag. That is a very interesting point. What he's talking about here is this monitor back here, which I would personally buy. I don't want the bits down below. I just want the monitor would at the time, I believe it was Stevie Batiche told me it was about 2000 bucks to manufacture that thing. That's why that device is so expensive. It's all up in the monitor. He raises a really good point that Apple's charging a, what appears to be a premium, but you got to remember these are not consumer monitors they're what they're called they're, they're studio quality monitors they're reference monitors um, because they are used for color accuracy is the most important thing could and should microsoft release a surface monitor i would be all for it is now the time i i don't know what i would love to see is have microsoft build just a proper desktop and a proper monitor that are separate entities that can be purchased just like a mac pro this thing is awesome do not get me wrong but I would still love just a traditional tower because it's the problem with this thing back here 
while it's beautiful and it's functional if you're a designer, this stuff down here is not upgradable. Like it's, you're pretty much locked in. Yes, I know you can hack it apart and do all that stuff, but it's not like a tower. It's not like a tower where I can just go upgrade the graphics or I can go upgrade the RAM or I can go upgrade the storage. Because while the processor might be hard to upgrade on some things, um, being able to upgrade the graphics and the RAM and the storage is a very big deal because you can get a lot more life out of your device by being able just to upgrade those things. So. I would love to see Microsoft personally just build a proper desktop with a with a monitor and then go from there and undercut the Mac Pro a little bit. I think it, I think the market is there for it. Uh, Dave Jr. says on Thursday, Destiny 2 went down to prepare for cross save support. Is Microsoft going to leave it up to the individual developers to support save game syncing Wild Wild West of what's supported? Or will there be a hard mandate for the Xbox Live level? I ask because there's going to be a dizzying amount of options to play games. Traditional console gaming, console streaming, Xbox streaming, Game Pass, and all that good stuff. What can we expect? So here's what I do know about Microsoft's game development for their next-gen stuff. Every game going forward that is on uh, Scarlet and beyond... Um, and I, I don't know current gen stuff. That's one thing I guess I don't know, but definitely for Scarlet and next gen games, all games are going to be natively cl X cloud compatible. Uh, while they will do some work to make older games work and they will, there's some things you can do under the hood that I, I'm not ready to talk about yet that will make the next gen games um, even better on X cloud. And Microsoft is mandating that all games for the Xbox platform work natively with that solution for X cloud. So, on the Microsoft side, I believe it will be built into the platform that you can play from your local Xbox or on xCloud and your save game stuff will just move across as long as you're, I'm assuming you have, you're paying for Xbox Live in some form or flavor. And I would expect that to come all the way across the PC. So what I'm trying to say here is, it is my understanding that inside the Microsoft ecosystem, save game support should work. Now, I believe your question is talking potentially about uh, save game syncing across services such as to the to stadia that i do not know and that is going to take a that i believe is going to have to be on the game developer side uh to support that basically because you have to take your profile which is effectively just a file and then upload it into that service and, and then sync it i don't know about how that would work with things outside the microsoft burst um Martinez V2 says, hello, Brad. Do you think there'll be a new Surface Book this year? I have heard that a Surface Book 3 is on the agenda. I don't know explicitly what is changing, if anything. If it's anything like the Surface Pro, just expect some uh, probably modest updates. It, it's still a good device. I still think it's, it's a little niche, if you will, uh, mostly because it's the highest of high end. I, I would still love to see Microsoft. Well, I, I do like the fact that you can pop the display off that thing. Me personally, I've had more issues with the display popping off than I've had benefit. Yes, it is neat that you can detach that thing and hand it around, and it is pretty dang cool. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice showpiece, if you will. But for the for the average user, like if somebody says, hey, I just need a laptop, I, I tell them to buy a Surface laptop over a Surface book. I've had much better reliability on the Surface laptop side than I have on the book. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Rob T. Boy says... Based on the announcement and timing, it seems that the 8CX is a PC-specific Snapdragon 855. Yes, very close. Um, the 8CX is its own Microsoft co-developed Qualcomm chip designed to run Windows 10. 
Uh, similarly to the 850 as a PC-specific 845, well, that blah, blah, blah. If the 8CX doesn't come out until next year, as it seems with Lenovo, is the 8CX going to come out with tech that is already one year old? That is a good question. I think Qualcomm kind of came out a little early with this. They announced this chip in December at their event in Hawaii, and then it's not going to show up until late this year, late, late, late this year. Um, I think they jumped the gun a little bit. I think they did. I think... I don't quite know how, if it's truly one-year-old tech, it is definitely not going to be as bleeding edge as whatever the next Snapdragon chip is. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a slouch. They've been touting the performance for this for a while. I just don't know why it's taken them so long to actually ship this thing. Um, I think they would have been much better off to announce it and say, June, or even at Microsoft's Build Conference, or something like that, being like, this is coming later this year. We will see. We will see. It, it, that is a very good question, Rob T-Boy, and something we need to keep an eye on. And then Mr. PKI, wrapping it up, says here, are you going to buy the new Elite Xbox controller at the extremely high price? So it is not cheap. It's over $150, bucks, um, unlike the last edition. My challenge with buying this controller, and I haven't decided yet. One, because I still have this one that I still use back here. Yes, it's all hamstrung together with glue and whatnot, is that if I buy one, I effectively need to buy two, which is a pain in the butt because I game down here, but my office that I write and everything else is, is almost directly above this room. And so I would need to buy two. And yeah, three over 300 bucks to buy two of these bad boys. That's That's a lot of cheddar. I mean, that's a lot. Like, if I was going to spend that much money, I think, on Xbox stuff, I think I'd rather upgrade this thing to an X. I have an Xbox One X upstairs, but this is obviously the S. I think if I was going to be spending 300-ish bucks, I'd rather buy an Xbox One X because this controller is not bad. Like, I, this is what I use uh, upstairs. If you're wondering why there was a weird edit there, I dropped this controller and it made a lot of banging. Made a lot of banging. Yep. I edited that out because people listening to the audio version of this would have been blown away. Anyways, this controller is not bad. I, I quite like this. It's still my favorite controller. I like it better than the PlayStation. I haven't touched the Stadia one, um, but because it has the offset design of the thumbsticks, it, it's my favorite. So anyways, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to buy it. I want to see the reviews. I also want to make sure that they actually did. I keep joking that they updated the glue, but if they did not update the glue on the rubber padding, that would be atrocious. That would be atrocious. So, all right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Keep in mind, fiscal year end is coming to an end. Uh, we're going to be heading into fiscal year 2020 starting July 1. Well, with the next podcast, if nothing else, have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and we'll catch you right back here next time.